Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Marketing Minibikes podcast. Really, this podcast is aimed at people who want to get that short, snappy, insightful marketing information that they need to effectively think outside the box and, and do a better job. I'm speaking to some really good, insightful, really innovative people, uh, thought leaders and marketers alike. I'm really excited to share that all with you over the next few episodes. Today, I've been speaking to Neil Jones, who works at Sky Baton Gaming. It's really great to get an understanding of really what makes him tick and, and what the future holds for him. So enjoy. Hello, welcome back to Marketing Mini Bites. Uh, today, I've been joined by Neil Jones, who's the Digital Marketing Manager at Sky Bet and Gaming. How are you doing, Neil? Hello, very good. How are you? Yeah, all good. Uh, nice sunny afternoon. Well, not so sunny, actually, in Manchester. So, yeah, couldn't ask for much more. You, are you based in, in Leeds now, these days? Uh, still Stockport, yeah. Okay. So I'm actually enjoying the, uh, the Manchester sunny slash cloudy day today. Nice. It's not, it's yeah. not too bad, is it? Um, so as I mentioned, yeah, you work for, for Skybet and Gaming. Um, can you tell us a bit about that and how you got into it? Kind of, I guess the, the, the question that every marketing list wants to know is kind of how did you get into marketing in the first place? Yeah, um, this is always a really mad question. Isn't it? A really, really difficult one. I'm trying like, not to fill in all the cliches of, oh, I've always wanted to be a marketer. It's just something I've always wanted to do with my life. Um, weird, weirdly, like I... Yeah, it is, it is absolutely something I always really wanted to do, very strangely. I, um, I've spoken about this a few times, but when I was younger, I used to, um, I just honestly, I can feel the cliche-ness in this, it's just ridiculous. I used to like look through, uh, there used to be a web job website called monsterjobs.co.uk, I don't know whether you remember. Yeah, I remember them. Website. It's, it's a programmatic trader's dream now, it's just full of display ads everywhere, but uh, yeah, right. I used to look on there when I was like mid-teens, looking at like... Um, marketing jobs, salaries, what, what you could do for like a living, I guess, in the marketing world. And some of them are a bit more kind of colorful than I suppose others were. And I always kind of read them with, I don't know, like a bit, a bit of dreams. I had a big dream. I'd kind of go on and work in that field, I suppose. So I ended up doing marketing at uni. Um, I left uni, went to work for enterprise rent a car on the graduate scheme, basically cleaning cars for two years. And then ended up cleaning cars for two years, selling uh, rental car insurance uh, for two years, and then basically just called it a day. I was like, right, I need to actually go and do something where I can actually use my degree. And then ended up working for free for a couple of months for an agency in the, in the Northern Quarter. Used that experience to get my first paid agency job in, in paid search. Um, realized that I was, I was not, not, not too brilliant at paid search. <laughs> and then uh, took, took more of a client services kind of route. Um, being a bit more of a general generalist, um, but yeah, went from there. Just ended up uh, at Skybet from the first of of March last year, and essentially I just lead the digital marketing for for Sky Gaming. So Sky Vegas, Sky Bingo, Sky Poker, and Sky Casino. I look after the, awesome. the digital marketing teams. So there's there's seven of us all together. There's a lot. There's a lot to cover. I think for you there as well. I think it's really surprising actually how many people kind of start off their marketing journey in some way linked to PPC always seems to be like there's the demand there or they naturally fall into it especially for me now i'm very similar to you in a, a kind of slightly more broader role in acquisition but ppc is almost that that channel i guess where you can almost hit the ground running because it's paid and because the results are instant you kind of learn a lot straight off the bat don't you yeah i i, I think the ground even though i wasn't in it for that long i think the ground that it gave me in terms of how does one metric impact another metric how do you calculate those metrics um, the importance of performance media um, on any kind of marketing plan, 
yeah, being able to talk about it com confidently when you're talking to clients, it gives you a, a fantastic grounded paid search, I think, to move forward from. Yeah. I definitely think that there's, when you interact with some of the other disciplines, especially from a client services standpoint, sometimes you can, you can feel that, that almost like that knowledge gap sometimes of, of not being as confident when talking about performance metrics. And, uh, yeah, I think paid search is definitely, it's great. It's, it's a really, really great grounding to have. And, yeah, I know, I know a few like heads of media who kind of come from that, that paid search mm. background. It's definitely a good pedigree to come from. Yeah, definitely. It almost yeah. sets the scene for any kind of future where, where you kind of, it's almost very numbers heavy. Um, so I know a bit about what you do now is, is going into a bit more of the TV side of things. Was that new to you coming into Skybet or is, is that something you're really excited about doing now? It's just more kind of breadth, I guess. So, um, yeah, we're not, in, our, in my team, so in our team, we have programmatic, uh, directly bought partnerships, a lot of kind of like you know, Lab Bible, Joe Media, Reach PLC, um, directly bought programmatic activity, programmatic, paid social, paid search, and then SEO as well. So I suppose being part of uh, a wider media function, so we've got our team and then another team, and the, the other team kind of has all the above all our media. We work incredibly closely with the other team, I suppose, on, on all the kind of campaigns and everything. So you are talking pretty regularly around how is digital going to be able to fit into that kind of master plan and investment of, uh, of an overarching campaign and what, what, um, what value does digital have to bring to the table mm. in terms of being able to get mass reach and scale or mid funnel kind of consideration shift or drive people to site or get conversions or talk to existing customers. And, um, the great thing is it has a part to play at every part of the funnel and it, it's, it's really fascinating trying to kind of tweak and optimize different parts of activity to, to make it fit for purpose for whatever we need it to do. And that, that's the most exciting thing about it. I think. Yeah. Awesome. I think one thing I've realized as well is a lot of people, a lot of businesses always want that bottom funnel people. They don't want people that are just about to convert, pump all your money in there and just go after those guys, you know, particularly yeah. through likes of PPC, but especially for you, I know one thing you're really interested in is that kind of omni-channel approach and, and almost being able to really understand how every single part of the journey contributes to that sale or that kind of purchase. Is that something you guys are looking really into in all the kind of omni-channel attribution approach? Yeah, I think, I think from like, um, uh, yeah, like I think from like an omni-channel standpoint, but definitely the great thing is that I think a lot of people look at, um, Skybet and they kind of think, oh, they're just going to be so into performance media. They're not going to invest a penny into brand or any kind of, you know, awareness and consideration driving activity. And it's all going to be one pound in one pound mm. out. And I think that the refreshing thing of, of when I was interviewing for SBG and when I, um, and I've massively bought into the vision that we've, we've kind of all built together. Um, the, the cool thing about it is it is, it isn't just kind of like the focal point of acquisition and nothing else and everything else has to surrender budgets. Everything has to go into acquisition. And if it's not costing in, it can't, it can't stay on plan. You know, I think the great thing about SPG is they'll take a punt in it as long as the business case makes sense. And we've, we've built a, robust enough kind of like plan we can we can put something on plan and we can test it and then, as long as there's an ability to put some kind of research study together which allows us to say whether it worked or whether it didn't work then um then yeah like yeah, it, it gives us that evidence to go back to finance or go back to the senior leadership team and say actually we want to do it again but we want to we need more money to do it next time to do it better or maybe we want to dial it back and try something else so i think it, yeah it's the omnichannel kind of like piece is definitely strong with with SPG and that's definitely one of the big reasons as to why I kind of 
jumped on board really great yeah that's, that's awesome i know that a lot of companies as well are almost trying things to be just first to market as well and trying something that's new whether that's a new google beta or i think there's something out in the future coming where you can buy stuff through social media platforms the all these things are, are big and you know if you're there at first then it could be even bigger i remember back in the day doing a lot of bing work on a lot of search terms that no one else was bidding on it <laughs> because it was, i was first to market yeah. i got the benefit of it so there's definitely that kind of first mm -hmm. mark, uh, mover's advantage as well what, what's the kind of setup like for you guys then when it comes to kind of marketing channels? Do you kind of have any one particular channel that you love the most? Is there anything that you're really trying to experiment with at the moment or anything that you're you know, trying to maybe stay away from? Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I mean, the last point there actually is worth mentioning. I think from a, because we're a gambling company, we can only play in spaces that are, are safe. Right. So brand, brand safe and allow us to um, strictly only target people who are over the age of 25. And we do a lot of... Um, like audience suppression. So we do a hell of a lot in the programmatic space where we avoid anyone who might be sharing a device with a child, when there's like a child in home filters that we'll use. We'll work a lot with integral ad science from like a um, like a pre-bid and a post-bid um, protection standpoint for programmatic. We'll also look at um, like audience suppression where we kind of um, make sure that anybody who's kind of like raised their hand and said, hey, I want to like cool off for a little while. I don't want to receive any advertising. We'll, um, We'll add them to a suppression list and make sure that they don't get served any digital communication. So that, from that standpoint, it's it's um, it's absolutely crucial. Like that, that means a hell of a lot to us. And again, one of the big reasons I came on board at SPG is because that the the people at SPG matter, but the customers also matter incredibly um, importantly as well. And how we can kind of protect those people and make sure that they can kind of game and gamble safely. So that that was the that that's what definitely one point to kind of just mention there. And I've just rambled on so much about SPG, I've just forgotten completely what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just about uh, channels. So, like, maybe moving away from the less negative, more positive side of things, is there any channels that you maybe love or maybe yeah. would drive more of? Yeah, it's just getting engrossed in safe <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I think in year one, um, the one of the most, so the 2020 for me, the, the most important thing was to establish a baseline. So not really coming in and knowing which channels are smashing it and which ones aren't. They're doing so well, and I think it, it was difficult to kind of ascertain that. And, you know, the, the year one um, view where we kind of a lot of us were new. It was a brand new digital media team that came in in, in January 2020. Um, like five new people, one uh, that had kind of survived from the previous team. A lot of people had kind of left, and then kind of just completely refreshed and reinvested in the dig in digital media. And I'd kind of come in to kind of lead that really. And, and we kind of all looked around and saw we didn't really have a reporting function. We didn't have a forecasting function. We didn't really have a lot that, you know, let's say if we spent 250K on um, a direct buy with a particular partner, we, did, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have a way of, um, of knowing what we'd really, really got for that investment outside of like impression delivery, which is super weak and it's just not enough. So like we were doing a lot of kind of, um, searching around for which partners are the ones that are helping us advance our proposition and are helping us keep the customers safe and are helping us kind of learn and develop um, and which ones are proactively putting opportunities in front of us. And then we were looking at the ones that we didn't, cut the ones that didn't, keep working and scale with the ones that do and then search for even more that are going to be able to help us realize our vision. And whether it's, it depends really, because we, when we define our vision for last year, it was very much around, let's cut the shiny new object syndrome out and let's mm -hmm. focus. Um, and this year we've been able to kind of start looking a little bit more in, now we've got that foundation in place, look a bit more inspirationally at things and look at the tech stack and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it depends really on what the, the kind of focus is, but 
we do have kind of a baseline now that we've established in terms of like this is how much we should be spending on on our kind of core activity across search and social and programmatic so yeah i think the whole proactivity piece that you picked up on as well is is super super important it's almost a scale you know if if a channel is continuing to perform well where why would we turn the uh, the taps off and a good analogy that i've always thought of yeah. is it's like an ice cream guy who's selling ice creams at a sunny lunchtime you're not just going to pack up once you fit your forecast if you sold uh, you know your quota by 1 p.m if you've got the stock you're going to sell it through and that's particularly you know likely yeah. uh, even for those that maybe your products where for all point intensive purposes you know the, the stock is probably unlimited right you can have an unlimited or or close to it people are, are betting so that that's really really interesting i guess on the safety side of things as well so the whole thing that's up and coming now is all about kind of cookies and how we deal with that i know google have pushed kind of the dates back there and i think a lot of people maybe aren't ready for it but kind of within your world how are you tackling mm -hmm. the cookies side of things i think because we invest uh i think anybody should be trying to solve this equation anyway um just because i think if you even if you don't invest heavily in programmatic media i think you sh you, you can't really afford to kind of just cut that channel off and be like oh it's not going to be a channel we ever utilize so therefore we don't really have to solve this problem i think everybody in the industry and all the different partners that we work with have a have a a vested interest in trying to figure out what what that looks like we kind of set up like an internal working group in January this year, which some people would consider like a bit late. Some people would probably say it was probably a bit too early. We set up a working group, got all the media team and the MarTech teams together, even got people from like legal and risk and everybody in there just so they can get the exposure to it. Um, started kind of doing a bit of an education piece with the leadership team in terms of what is a cookie. Some of them didn't really know what a cookie was, what, what, why it's valuable, what's happening. Um, and that going through that process over the first... Yeah, maybe the first like four or five months of the year was was really cool. Just going around the business, banging the drum for this is why it's important. This is what our initial approach is. But really, we just started to cast the net out really far and wide, like direct having direct comp um, conversations with people like like Live Ramp, um, you know, our DMP, the, the tech the tech stack as I mentioned that we were working with, uh, having conversations with Google, like when is this going to happen? Staying close to the flock conversations and the tail dove conversations, whilst trying to balance the other identity problems like iOS 14.5 and then iOS 15 coming in September. So there's, there's quite a lot there. And I think, um, yeah, like it, it, one of the things that we kind of really realized was a lot of, a lot of us are kind of ex agency that have come in house and some are, some are clients like pure client siders. So we've definitely got like the best of both worlds in the team. But one of the things that I, I, we kind of realized last year was, even though you've come in from outside as ex-agency talent, and even though we've got client siders together, we still all struggle to kind of, we might identify 80% of what the solution needs to be, but when it comes to the additional 20%, that could potentially be quite commercially risky. So we, we, we need to kind of outsource that and we utilize agency support in order to be able to identify that and help us to, from a consultancy standpoint, almost like future proof ourselves against those like future headwinds. So through doing that and mixing our own knowledge together. Yeah. Things like live ramp, um, looking at like data clean rooms, um, like trying to, trying to explore like the importance of like contextual, like smart contextual, how important is geo geo targeting? Is that going to become even more important than it has been? Um, yeah, just like going pretty like far away with it. But I think the stuff like data clean rooms and stuff like that, like, like really future responsible data privacy led um, anonymity kind of view of the world is really exciting because it, I think that's definitely like we shouldn't be looking at the cookie problem and going, how do we just find another cookie like to use another kind of identifier that's just as, as bad 
we should probably be looking a bit more progressively at the situation and looking at to try and advance things and not just find a way around it, I guess. Yeah, I think we've definitely got to sort of try and deal best with the data that we have, even through that's, you know, predictive analytics and a lot of AI to try and guess what that is. So the future is definitely bright. And I think the people that are going to find those solutions first, like you guys are trying to do it, are definitely going to win from that. I thought a really interesting point that you picked on there was the whole kind of agencies use and agency side. Definitely from the agencies that I've spoken to recently, they've, it's almost, I feel like they've evolved in some way. I think in a historical agency format was kind of just, you work with us, here's our kind of monthly retainer, let's go from there. Whereas more and more at the moment, what I've heard is agencies are maybe doing it on a more project level for maybe the, the cookie problems mm-hmm. we've discussed, or maybe just for maybe for even for a bit of training to help train like the people that have maybe never been or touched certain channels before. How are you guys using agency then? Is that very much on a, a project base or is it kind of very much longer term? Yeah, I think... I think so. We don't we don't use any agencies to do any buy in at all. So we don't we don't. So PhD Manchester are are um are our kind of you know above the line TV and and what have you buy an agency, and we don't so we don't use them for any kind of like uh, buy in of digital media. So we we buy everything in house. It's everything's in house managed on the bet side and on our side. Um yeah, we have an incredibly talented group of people who are an absolute pleasure and are absolutely amazing to work with. They're all hungry and all obsessed by that kind of digital media fire of trying to learn more and talk to partners all the time and trying to leverage those the different partners that we have to learn more and stuff. And it's really, it, it's really brilliant. But like I say, I think we, we, we had that gap and we have that gap of kind of like, you know, what you don't know, what you don't know, almost, you know, like if we, we, we don't know everything. We live within an SPG view of the world. We're extremely jaded. And there are people out there, whether they're at PhD or they're at a consultancy or, uh, or they are one of our kind of existing partners that we work with. I think the big thing that we have to really look out for is the commerciality kind of angle. And our, is, is an agency that we're working with just trying to uh, monetize certain kind of insights that they're putting in front of us and, and just telling us something because they want to angle us down a certain route to buy a product. Because it's just kind of dangerous because you, you, you want, you just want an honest view of the world. You want the independent, impartial view of the world. Like if say, if you kind of say that's like paid search as an example, let's say for example, our, our paid search account hadn't been audited for maybe four or five years, which is well overdue in my eyes. Like you need someone to come in, take a look at it, audit it. People are usually afraid of the word audit, but they really shouldn't be, I guess you should look, take a look at it. But they shouldn't kind of be doing that. Yeah, you, this is all horrendous and we need to handle it all for you. It should be, this is what works. This is what doesn't really work. This is what you could do with a, some support on over here. We could do this for six months for you and we could work together to make that happen. This is what the fee is going to be. Oh, and we can also educate the people in your team so that they're even stronger in six months time. And that, that is, that's absolutely perfect. Like to hear that is wonderful. But many agencies don't don't get that right unfortunately yeah i'd agree i think similar to that as well it's the same approach with automation it's one of those things where you know maybe a lot of ad tech buying platforms want you to automate more and do a lot more automated people maybe not so sure about doing it because they're not sure of the consequences but i think more than anything else people need to almost be educated to know what those changes are going to do maybe what the tech's going to take control of or take control away from um so similarly with you know yeah. agencies like you're talking about i think it's really important that particularly like for likes of your team which i'm sure you're great at it's just building up that knowledge and education so almost knowing if you're being taken down a certain path you know the pros and cons before that's even happened right and in terms of kind of structuring mm-hmm. and managing big teams, how, how do you do that? How do you uh, educate and manage and particularly motivate a team as well? Yeah, I think um, so the, the talent thing is really important, I think. Um, so I, I, I 
I think the talent stuff from like we've been doing a fair bit of recruitment recently, but I think from a talent standpoint, it's really, really big because you need people. When you think about the digital team and all the stakeholders that a, a media team in, in general or a digital team have, you've got the creative team, the data team, a data science team, potentially an external agency campaign function, the marketing team who come up with the propositions, all that kind of stuff. You've got so many different people that you need your team to, like I always kind of liken it to, and that we've kind of, it's kind of something I speak to the guys about now like quite, quite a lot really, is that we all, our, our own team almost has our own kind of like brand. Like the gaming, the gaming digital media team is a brand, and we need to make sure that what we output is at a certain level. How we treat stakeholders and work with those stakeholders is more of a partnership and less trans transactional. Um, so we, uh, we, from a recruitment standpoint, from an in-house team standpoint, we try and recruit people and work with people to make sure that, from a stakeholder and relationship building standpoint, they're very good. They have that energy to kind of drive things forward. They don't just let things sit. They drive, pick it up, drive forward. They got a bit of energy and ownership about that channel. Um, but I think the biggest thing is defining a collective vision and working towards it all together and not just being me just kind of going, Hey, this is absolutely what we're going to need to do guys. Like, let's go and do this. And then all kind of feeling like they're being dictated to, I think like last year, there was probably a bit of that from me. And I think it, it, there's times when it's good and there's times when it's bad, but I think now we've kind of built that foundation this year. It's, it's really cool to have kind of been like, right, what do we want to do in 2021 and what do we want to do in 2022? And everyone can kind of feed into that. And because everyone's feeding into it, we, you know, collectively have a, have a, have a part to play in that. And people can see from like a, a value and like a career, you know, standpoint and um, self-fulfillment mm -hmm. perspective, like they, they feel bought into it and, and they feel part of that overall kind of journey we're all on. And that feels really nice. Like it, it having that accountability across the team is really cool and having it not all fall on me is quite nice. Yeah. I bet you've not got as much yeah. pressure in that regards, at least sometimes anyway, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. I think definitely as part of the teams, it's almost about understanding which person's playing which role. Some people are going to be, you know, maybe really extroverted. Mm -hmm. They're going to make sure they've got the team bond there. Maybe some people are the doers. They're going to sit in the background and, and kind of, do the work as, as it were. I think what's really interesting I found, particularly over the last year of COVID or so, is that it's really allowed the, the sort of the more introverted people to stand out a little bit more and get more involved because maybe mm. they're behind a camera, they have more right. confidence speaking. And so that really team dynamics, I think has really changed for some people, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. Um, I don't know about you guys, you know, particularly for the likes of the companies I've been working for. It's very much like the likes of Teams and your Skypes just rocketed over the last year, mm. but we're still using them now because, yeah. um, you know, if I think about it, I, if it wasn't, for what's happened, not that in any way it's a good thing, but I'm talking a hundred times more a day to people in Germany that I did before the pandemic. And so to have this realization yeah. that tech is, it's, it's something that I've never even thought about, but the team, Microsoft Teams has been so, so pivotal in what we do and what I've done personally. And, you know, I can just click one click, someone's automatically in that call with me. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. You know, they could be anywhere yeah. in the world. So really, really good. Is that something that you guys are using as yeah. well? That's in the sort of hybrid or in-person or online approach? Yeah, I think, as I, as I mentioned, like FPG are a wonderful company when it comes to, they're very like people first, they're extremely flexible when it comes to, you know, they're not pressuring anybody to kind of get back into the office. And even when we are in the office, we're trying to make um, it as comfortable as possible for people who are still at home, who maybe aren't as comfortable to get back in yet, or maybe have other commitments going on right now. Like, you know, they've, they've organized like childcare in a certain way and it's going to be like that for the next six months. Company's fine with that. I'm fine with that for, for our management perspective and i think as i mentioned like trying to make people the big challenge for me is trying to make people part, part feel part of the team even though they're from home or maybe not in they're at home or maybe not in the meeting room 
Um, and that, that's a really big challenge um, because I think when you're on a big camera and the camera's at the front of the meeting room, it's looking at the meeting room. Sometimes it can feel a little bit like, oh, I don't really want to say anything because mm. I'm kind of disrupting this meeting and I, I, you know, I'm just going to sit back. And we've, we've tried a couple of things to try and solve that, like everybody dialing in from their desk so you can see their faces. But that's, that's, that's been quite cool. But yeah, like the, there's no pressure there whatsoever. And the hybrid working, I think, will be something that we continue uh, going forward because at the moment it's working really well. Awesome. Good to hear. I guess what's been your your biggest learning as well from last year with all, all the stuff that's been kicking off? Is there anything that you thought, was like, right, that's definitely something we'll avoid doing or that's something we want to be more of? I know Teams is a great example of that, but is there anything else that comes to mind? Yeah, I think we... So another thing that the company does quite well is, is we really invest in learning and development. So I... And I ended up getting a coach at the back end of last year. So I've been working with a coach for like, I don't know, probably, yeah, probably like nine months, eight, nine months now. I found that really beneficial. Some of the other people in my team have, have also discovered and gone after coaching as well. And uh, I found I find that really, really beneficial. I've certainly learned a hell of a lot from it and I've developed a hell of a lot from, from having coaching, which has been wonderful. Mentoring and so being a mentee and then also mentoring other people uh, outside of, of SPG has been really cool for me. So I think, for me, the biggest learning is just investing more in myself and, and ourselves. Because I think the more I've invested in me, the more I've kind of pushed the team to invest in them in themselves as well. Like discovering coaching and, and um, jumping on mentoring programs like the Beamer scheme. Like a few of them have jumped on the um, the Beamer scheme for mentoring, which is really cool. But I think that and then um, for me, a yeah, big big learning for last year was just kind of, as I mentioned a little bit, um, it's just kind of flexing, flexing the leadership style. And knowing when to kind of flex it and knowing when certain leadership styles work well, not overusing them in certain situations and then when to kind of stop using them and move to a different one and trying to be a bit more conscious around which style you're using at that particular time to, to, to give people the freedom really to empower the managers in my team to do what they, they need to do. Yeah, definitely. I think one thing I've learned as well since going to management is that it is a, it's a big responsibility. You know, you're, pe you're responsible for people's mm -hmm. careers. You're responsible for people. And, you know, even yeah. if you've got a, a small team of, of five, it's it's a lot of careers. So it's it's, a, it's almost a lot of pressure in that regard yeah. to make sure that you're managing the right way to allow them to grow into things they want to do, but still making sure the kind of the day-to-day -day metrics and the work is kind of the quality you expect, right? So, yeah, definitely agree with you yeah. on that one. Yeah. What, what's on the horizon then, for, both for you and, and for Skybet and Gaming? I think we need to, so that, I mean, we mentioned some of the, some of the kind of identity pieces earlier on, I think that isn't going to go away. I think we're probably still going to see, we've obviously had iOS problems this year and we've got the cookie conundrum still yet to solve. And I think we're going to probably see more. We've, we've got the e-privacy kind of piece coming out as well. I mean, I don't know, I think that's the year after next, but that's going to be something that we have to really prepare for, which could be pretty seismic. I think for us as a team, it's going to be any kind of regulatory headwinds that are linked to the gambling industry, like the Gambling Act Review, which is something that we just can't really ignore. Um, and I, I don't, I think it, it's great because we're kind of facing into it. We're not kind of like just kind of going right again, like the cookie, how do we mm. kind of just circumnavigate this and just get around it? It's just, it, there's a lot of good evolution coming to the industry that we're all embracing. Um, and then just kind of setting the vision, like the evolutionary vision, how is our tech stack going to evolve? How's our creative going to automate? How, um, how are we using and harvesting more first party data? And yeah, how, how like, what do we want to kind of achieve in media over the next, the next few years? Great. Um, and not just looking at it from a perspective of how do we just, um, position ads and berate people with ads at a frequency of 30. Like, how do we, how do we, uh, how do we create more like meaningful customer journeys? I suppose. Great. Sounds really yeah. exciting. And I think, 
you touched on first party audiences there. I think audiences are going to be huge coming up as well, especially with the likes of uh, PPC. What I'm kind of realizing recently after sort of talking to a few different people that work really closely in the industry is that it's maybe less about the keyword these days and more about the audience that sits behind that keyword. And if we can really identify the intent yeah. behind the audience, it almost doesn't matter the intent of the keyword in some regards. So audience is going to be massive, particularly with the cookie stuff. Um, so a lot going on. I guess uh, for all our listeners out there, is there any kind of podcast books or, or maybe conferences that you really like that are worth sharing? Yeah, uh, I, I kind of, well, obviously there's this one. Oh, of course, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's this one. Um, but I think for me, I'm a big, big fan of the, anything that the Harvest, Harvard uh, Business Review puts out. Really, really big fan of the HBR podcast. There's another one called Coaching Real Leaders, which again, if you're into coaching, is an unbelievable um, podcast. It's by a woman called Muriel Wilkins, who is a coach to the C-suite. And she um, has like one one kind of business leader uh, or C-suite leader or aspirational C-suite leader on every week. And she normally just does like one season of it, um, an episode a week. I think she's just, she's only just finished the first one. And uh, it's brilliant. So anybody who's kind of looking for like leadership guidance and stuff like that is amazing. MarTech, wonderful. The Mantech podcast is wonderful. Um, really, really big, big fan of that one as well. Um, yeah, so those, those two. And I think you've been on that one, right? I think I remember listening to the Mantech one. Have yeah, I mean, I've got to shout them out. If they, if oh, they, of course. Yeah. I'm, I'm, anything like that, it's just really, really easy to, to digest. Um, yeah, so, so it, and, and again, like the Harvard Business Review stuff is, is gold, it really is, because it's just so varied. You've got mm. stuff around like leadership styles and management and um i don't know how to get like a perfect work-life balance and stuff like that so great yeah it's cool perfect well, we'll be sure to put some of those links in the show notes below but other than that um yeah this has been great thanks very much for your time neil it sounds like there's plenty of exciting bits and bobs going on at skybound gaming and um i'm sure we'll continue to see all the awesome work that you guys are up to thank you very much for having me Chris. no worries speak to you soon cheers bye Thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Marketing Mini Bytes podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, please do like, you know, reshare, retweet, whatever it is. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms like uh, like on Apple, please do leave a rating. It really does help out and get that kind of exposure and reach out there. So again, thanks for listening. Please join me next Wednesday at 9am for the next one. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Bye.